We often think of birds as benign, graceful creatures, alighting on the forefingers of princesses, and singing songs to one another as the sun crests the horizon. When in danger, these skittish creatures take to the air and find safety in the sky, or maybe a tall tree. But not every bird is so gentle, and not every bird flees from a fight. One bird breaks the cultural standards of birdliness and kicks elegance to the curb. But strength and aggression is often a path to survival in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's 30 minutes of interesting animal info, and I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. And today we're talking about what is called the most dangerous bird in the world, but more on the truth of that later. Mm-hmm. Mm, intrigue. But, mm, stay to the end, why don't you? So we've, we are doing our first ever topical episode. Yes, this is breaking news. We literally changed, we pivoted, pivoted at the last second from the animal we were going to do yes. to this one when we learned about the news, which we will talk about later. Yes, in case you haven't heard it, if you've been if you've been living under a rock, you'll find out why we're talking about it. And literally, if you're listening to this when it comes out, we recorded this yesterday. Yeah, so, the day of. Yeah, <laughs> this is crazy. We're basically reporters at this point. <laughs> we're at least aggregates. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we are talking about the cassowary, mm-hmm. the southern cassowary in particular, to be precise. If you've been, if you don't live under a rock, you know exactly what this thing looks like, but I will talk about what it looks like in a second. But for now, let's talk about where it lives in the taxonomic area. You like it. You love it. You want some more of it. Key Largo, Montego, baby, why don't we go down to Kingdom Animalia? (laughs) (laughs) You, You like it. You love it. You're in it. Got it. No, that's not it. Yeah. You know it. You love it. You're in it. (laughs) Yep. The phylum. Chordata. It's a bird. It's got a spine. And because it's a bird, the class is Aves. And this is where we go into uncharted territory. Yes. This is where everything starts to start with a C. <laughs> uh, the order is Cassuariformes. Okay. The family is Cassuaridae. Mm-hmm. The genus is Cassuarius. And the species is Cassuarius. But it's also called the, the Sruthio Cassiarius. Sruthio! Sruthio. That was going to be one of my nicknames. All right. Sruthio. <laughs> if you're, for those Steven Spielberg fans. But we're going to call it here the dastardly and deadly diurnal dinosaur. Diurnal? Mm-hmm. Because it, lives, it hangs out during the day? Hangs out during the day. Also, uh, Biggie Talls. <laughs> Biggie Bird. Yeah, and then Sruthio was my, was my third one. Okay. Um. But if you have not yet heard the news uh, about this this bird and a certain Florida man, um, and you haven't looked up a picture of this insane-looking bird, brace yourself because this is an adventure. <laughs> okay. Uh, open your mind's eye. All right. So cassowaries are massive, flightless birds. Start in your brain with an ostrich. The basic body shape of an ostrich. Mm-hmm. Although cassowaries have uh, proportionately small or larger bodies and shorter necks. Yes. Uh, so cassowaries are covered in black bristle-looking feathers all over. It looks like... A feather li- duster. 
it, it looks like uh, like spiny fur, mm-hmm. kind of like a kind of like a, a softer porcupine, like gelled, like yeah, punk hair, yeah, yeah. or like it's like slicked back though, yeah. Um, and so it, it kind of looks like this big bristly puffball. Uh, so now onto the head. This is where things get interesting. It's like black feathers. Who cares? Every bird has black feathers. Literally every bird. <laughs> Except for all the ones that don't. Except for the ones that don't have black feathers. Um, so Cassie, Cassowary, yeah. has a featherless neck and face and head. Like a turkey. Mo- mostly featherless. Um, its skin is bright, bright blue. And we talked about how much I love blue things. Although green's my, I guess would be my favorite color, but... <laughs> Uh, it's just weird that it's bright. It's got bright blue skin and it's scaly. It, like, imagine the the turkey head situation. This weird, um, like patchy, dry looking skin. Mm-hmm. But instead of being red or pink, it is bright blue. Um, on its neck is a bright, is a bright red turkey gobble. I couldn't find the exact name of this on the cassowary, but it's called a gobble on a I, turkey. I heard something like, I think it might be called that, like gobble. Yeah, it has to be. But it, you you say that a turkey gobbles, like that's the sound that it makes. And we're going to talk about how that's not the sound that the cassowary makes. <laughs> it so, sure doesn't. Um, but the, so it has, so blue head and, you know, it's got a relatively long neck. Um, and then it's just got this down the middle, this this scaly pouch of flesh that's wagging from its gullet um, and it's bright red. So we already have some distinct colors here. Mm-hmm. Um, it has gorgeous amber eyes and its <laughs> eyelashes go for miles. That seems cumbersome. It doesn't have eyelashes. It has eye feathers. Interesting. But if you looked at, there's one picture on Wikipedia of this thing looking directly in the camera and you're like, dang. <laughs> it's it just has like these really like uh, symmetrical eyelashes that like curl up and go out and it's got like these really piercing amber eyes it's like crazy because it's the only thing that you could describe as beautiful for this bird <laughs> <laughs> its beak is relatively short and triangular shaped so it's or conical you could even say it's meant for pecking things it's not it's not it's not hooked like a like a falcon and it's not flat like a um like a duck and it's not shoe build like the shoe build it's like an ostrich beak yep it's like an ostrich maybe a beak. little thinner um so if all of this isn't weird enough the southern cassowary has a giant cask on its head mm-hmm. that can grow up to seven inches high so a cask i mean it's, it's like a big fin or crest uh, it's it looks like a dinosaur, specifically the Corythosaurus. If you look that up, you will see a dinosaur with a big thing on its head. Crest. <laughs> a bit. So it goes, you know, it, it goes vertically from the from the you know where the, 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 end beak, of the beak all yeah. the way to the back, um, and it's rounded up top. Um, so yeah, it looks like a crest. Uh, the cask is keratinous. No, it's just keratinous. It means it's made out of keratin. Um, and it's covered in grayish skin. So you have a blue head, red gobble, black beak, and then grayish. Sometimes orangish. Uh, yeah, that's weird. You see its eyelashes? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, it's weird that that was that one was orange. All the other ones I saw were like um, gray. But the the cask itself is filled with fibers that they theorize may help it uh, make the craziest bird noise you've ever heard. Oh boy! Are you going to talk about the crazy bird noise? Nope. Go for it. All right. Well, we're going to insert it right here. Yeah, that was a bird. We were talking about it earlier, and I was like, if I was in, like, if I wasn't directly looking at it or didn't know what was going on, to be like, there's a there's an actual triceratops in the, in the other room. <laughs> It's a living dinosaur. It's it, that is an amazing sound. Um, so apparently, this they still don't know what how this would possibly help it, but they've theorized that the Corythosaurus, which is the dinosaur I was talking about earlier, used that as a reverberation technique to amplify the sound that it made. There is a similar toucan, or there's a toucan that is a similar thing, a type of toucan that With has that like a big note schnoz. It has the the regular toucan beak, but then there's just like a half portion of the top beak that comes out, and that that's also a cask, and the, it makes a signature like loud sound. Huh. So they it does they they think it's the same situation. Well, <clears throat> some other theories for why that it has the cask because the southern cassowary has the the largest one, um, the northern cassowary has a smaller one, and then the um, the last one I forgot what it was called. The one in the middle. Um, that one doesn't have one at all. And then there's uh, there are a couple of extinct varieties of this order. Um, but so some other theories for what they use the cask for are uh, brushing the undergrowth aside because it lives um, deep in the jungle, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, it also might it spends most of its time under trees that drop large fruit and seeds headwear so maybe it hard hat area it is it is a cask yeah like you know like that's i think in spanish it's casquet or something like that is is helmet oh um but by having this kind of shark fin on top of its it's head, spongy um it'll well things will can ramp off of it instead of splatting directly on top of its head <laughs> But it, no, I mean it. It's yeah, it's made out of keratin, so it is. It's hard. It's got, yeah, it's it's, but, it's spongy material covered in hard keratin, like an M and M. It's the other way around. It's hard keratin it's, on the it's middle. It's skin, and then keratin, and then fibers. Okay. So it doesn't. I don't know. I don't know if you could just squish it. I don't know. I've heard it described as spongy. I get. Well, I think that if you looked at it. Um, if you looked at like a wireframe of it, it would look like spongy just because of all the porous. fibers going through it. Yeah, porous. Um, but the keratin is is harder. So they also have powerful long legs like an ostrich, and uh, they have feet that are filled with murder weapons, <laughs> murder claws. Um, the middle toe has a five inch sharp claw in it, which it uses to kick and disembowel things. That's fun. Um, but I did say it was a massive flightless bird. It's a little bit vague. Yeah. It's like, you know, is it as big as a man? That's that's pretty big. Is it a, yeah, is it as big as a, an ostrich? You it's in me. between those two things. Is it? No. No, it's not. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk about it. Here, here, I think I know what can help. Maybe the listener's favorite part of the show until proven otherwise. Um, <laughs> welcome to Measure Up, which is the part of the show where I give Carlos questions in a quiz format. Where we end up, by the end of it, 
you know, having no idea what's going on no, no, no. at all by anywhere. The, by the end of it, we end up uh, just telling you in relatable terms how big this animal is and other important dimensions. Sure. It's also the part of the show that's introduced by you, the listener, sometimes when you send some in. Um, but this week we are, are we've had several sent in by Chris from Play Comics. Thanks, Chris. Saving us from the cold, bleak... No intro. Depths of obscurity. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so thank you, Chris. Check out Play Comics. Um, he also does a show called Meddling Kids, which okay. is family friendly and about uh, Scooby Doo. So check him out. Without further ado, the listeners' favorite part of the show. Measure up. That, that was excellent, and for some reason, I feel that feel like a craving for menthol. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, minty. That was that was f- minty fresh. I my my cough is already going away. <laughs> okay, let's get right into it. Female weight. Females like many bird species like like in many bird species are larger than males. They can be as big as 2 meters or 6.6 feet. That's very tall. That's also 6.5 feet for your purposes, if you like. It will be. <laughs> you can bet on it. How many cassowaries would go into the total height of the largest didgeridoo ensemble ever, assuming they were all the average human height and stacked on top of each other? The ensemble being the people or the ensemble being the didgeridoos? The ensemble being the people. Okay. Man, I would like to be there just to feel the vibrations of yeah. the digital. I tried to find a. It's it was on a Guinness World Records, and the only comment was on on the page was, "How do I see this?" <laughs> <laughs> and no answer. And no, no, answer. no answer. Oh, how could you possibly get the world's largest didgeridoo ensemble together and not at least get snap a video? I'm of sure that? somebody took a video, but here's a hint. The ensemble took place at Digfest in 2006 <laughs> in Devon, which is in the UK. I don't want to laugh at it. I'm, didgeridoos are difficult instruments to learn. So if you are pursuing that instrument, then more power to you. Yeah, if you, if the, More breath to you, for real. If that's, all of them are circular breathing, that's a very hard skill to learn. Yeah, that is, that is insane. Um, so that hint does tell you that the average height is the average height in the UK. So there you go. Or they just got a bunch of people from Australia to come to the UK. I'm sure yes. that a lot of Australians well, when I looked up the average height to do the calculations, I looked up the UK average height. I'm gonna assume that the average didgeridoo player or didgeridoo master is a man. Okay. For the purposes of this, you also have to assume that I assumed that. Yeah, and then I'm going to assume that the average male height in the UK is um, five feet, eight inches. Okay. Seems a little bit short. I'm going to say five feet, ten inches. And I'm going to say there were 50 of them. Okay. So we're talking about um, 260, like two, 200 and oh, 300 feet. If they're all stacked on top of each other, you said? Yes. Okay, 300 feet. We're looking at six and a half feet for the cassowary, and I'm going to say 45. 45 cassowaries? 45 cassowaries. 
So let's let's uh, let's kind of tackle some of your assumptions. Um, I guess I'm a little bit more progressive than you because I equal. I I assume that women can be didgeridoo players too. They certainly can be, but I assume that the average didgeridoo player is is not. If you that there are more male didgeridoo players than female ones. Who could say? But I averaged Probably. male and female height. So it's so, so it's it shorter. came out to five point five. Really. Yeah, so the average height in the U.S. for a man is 5'9". So you thought the average U.K. man was taller than... By an inch. I, yeah. I don't know what the average height of the... I, I knew it was between 5'7 and, and 6 foot. Um, so there was also uh, over 200 people in this ensemble. Oh, wow. So, the, <laughs> so uh, all of my, I, had to, I had to make three or four guesses and they were all wrong. The answer was 199 uh, birds. Okay. So still would love to hear 200 people playing the didgeridoo at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I so feel would like I. you'd go away changed. I forever. feel like your organs would v- vibrate. Yeah, it'd be like going to a POD concert. My sure. my organs vibrated at that concert. <laughs> uh, it was so, painful. I actually didn't like it. <laughs> you get used to it. Do you? No, yeah. n- not when it's like the kick and bass. Like it's 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 not it's not sustained. I, I didn't I didn't usually when I were, whenever I would go to a concert I didn't like it for the first couple songs and then got used to it. Anyway, female height. I mean weight. Female weight. Female cassowary weight. Female cassowary weight is is on the upper end, fifty eight point five kilograms or one hundred and thirty pounds. Good, nice even number. Yeah. So how many of the heaviest chicken egg ever recorded go into the weight of a cassowary? Huh. Here's a hint. The egg was laid by a hint in Vineland, New Jersey in 1958, I think. In the 1950s. We haven't broken this record since the 1950s. Interesting. 130. I'm thinking that egg was a pound. 100% 100% correct. Really? Yeah. No <laughs> The way. egg was a pound. Yes. <laughs> it was 456 grams, which is a little over 16 ounces. Oh, I was like, I was like pretending to heft an egg in my hand and I was like, what would a pound egg feel like? I've lifted an ostrich egg. That was like 10 pounds. There, yeah. Ostrich eggs can be like on average five pounds. You can stand on those. They're very, uh, they're very hard. Well, you can like from end to end squeeze a chicken egg pretty hard. For, but if you do it in the middle, yeah, then it'll break. But if you go from the top to the bottom, it, I don't know why that is. When it's coming out, the pressure is in the middle. Ah, uh, weird. It's a perfect structure for getting out for if you're a chick. Yeah, I guess so. So that's it. You you got one out of two correct. That might be one of. Um... I think maybe if you just examine your prejudices, <laughs> you'll get it more correct in the future. <laughs> We both made assumptions, and neither one of us knows if the if other is correct. If they're accurate, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about where they live. I mentioned Aborigines, and you mentioned didgeridoos, which can only mean that the word Australia is going to be said. So I'll say it in a little bit. Cassowaries live on uh, the island of New Guinea, which includes Papua New Guinea um, and Indonesia, the section, um, because it's split in half, like Haiti and... Uh, the Dominican Republic on Hispaniola. Mm-hmm. Um, it also 
lives. It's the same shape too. You can see why. It's very similar. Columbus made a mistake. And he's like, I must be in Papua New Guinea. It's like, <laughs> no, you're in uh, Hispaniola. It's like, well, you guys are all slaves now. Um, either way, you guys are. So they also uh, cassowaries also live on many of the islands um, in southeastern Asia, um, but mostly in the south of southeastern Asia. So they don't live in like. Um, the Philippines or anything like that, but they live very close to Australia and they also live in Northern Australia. Mm -hmm. They like to hang out in dense jungles and are normally shy, leaving areas long before humans even know that they're there. Yes. Um, so let's talk about a little bit of their behavior. They are described as, (laughs) I saw a quote, this was funny, running at full tilt through the vegetation, brushing saplings aside and occasionally careening into trees, (laughs) which is probably why that that uh cask is helpful yes um they eat fallen fruit as i mentioned before so they're partially fr- frugivorous but i don't understand how you could be considered a frugivore if you don't only eat fruit just mostly fruit there there's were... even a plum named after them are you going to talk about that nope there's a cas cas cassowary plums which are like these blue plums that look delicious but apparently they're not great for eating unless you're a cassowary it's odd. Because they swallow them whole. Maybe they taste okay. bad. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get those nutrients. We don't want to taste it. Right. Um, they, they're they really omnivorous. They eat insects, frogs, fish, snails. They also eat flowers, fungi. They eat small rodents and dead things, carrion. They are keystone species of the rainforest because they eat fruit. The, in, the seeds go into their stomach. They are not digested. They pass through as excrement in some other place of the rainforest and that's how these fruit trees um propagate yeah they're like they're they're very important for that yeah if you were to get rid of all of them then the fruit trees would no longer be able to especially those cassowary plums apparently really yeah that must be their favorite even though they don't like the taste (laughs) i don't know that's an (laughs) assumption (laughs) Um, don't quote me on that males are also usually the ones to stick around and incubate the eggs um He'll also protect them for about nine months after they hatch. So they're mm-hmm. good fathers, but the females are not good mothers. Also, the females are just aggro. Yes. They cannot stand other females. Males are like, fine, whatever. There's another male there. It's okay. He's cool. He's Tim. <laughs> but the females do not, they can't stand even seeing another female in the area. Even when mating males will be okay with other males being around. Um, but it does not go the same for the the fairer sex. It, it does seem to be a society that's turned on its head compared to other animals where the females will actually have several families at once, like several chicks from different men. Men. <laughs> males. <laughs> Uh, where, where usually it's the other way around, like, especially in mammals where a male will like try to propagate his lineage as much as possible and the females raise the chicks. But from what I understood is that the, um, the females will sometimes like a, a male will be mating and then will be chased, like chased off by another male. And then that male will mate. And so she could have chicks from either one. 
Well, but she will not like a lot of times in in um, animals, females will congregate, and then males have to like kind of separate them out. Right. But instead, it's the it's she, kind of the opposite. She checks them out. Yeah. Interesting. Um, here's some fast facts before we get on to the major fact. Cassowary meat is very tough. According to Australian generals, um, a guy named John Vader reports that the cassowary should be cooked with a stone in the pot. When the stone is ready to eat, so is the cassowary. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So don't eat these. You'll break your teeth, apparently. Um, Cassowaries live for 40 to 50 years. Birds live for a long time. Birds and tortoises. Yeah. Uh, And for a time, their feathers were extremely valuable. They look weird, so people breed them as exotic pets. Yes. Which often goes awry. But it never goes awry. <laughs> Does it, Joe? Let's talk about that. Um, welcome to the major fact, the majorest of facts in this episode. So, strap in for a little story. This is what's been in the news in the past couple days. On a sunny Friday morning in Gainesville, Florida, a call was made to local police reporting that 75-year-old Marvin Hayos was attacked by a large bird. A second call was placed by somebody else uh, saying the same thing. So police and emergency services arrived on the scene to find a man gravely injured by one of the two cassowaries on his property. The birds were corralled as Hayos was transported to the hospital where he later died of his injuries. This event last week was the second time one of these birds has killed a person since April 6, 1926. When 16-year-old Philip McLean tried to kill the bird with his little brother when they found it on their property in Australia, he fell to the ground and the bird kicked him in the neck, cutting the jugular vein. Pretty gnarly stuff. But I also read somewhere that cassowaries kill the native inhabitants of Papua New yes. Guinea a lot. We just don't report it because they're... Well, there, there's, there's that, that comes from, uh, I think, a book by Ernest Thomas Gillard, which was written in 1958. And it, it, it's like, historically, Aborigines were killed by these things. But let's talk about why this bird is so dangerous. <clears throat> it's called the most dangerous bird in the world for a number of reasons. Their size makes them formidable, even for adult humans. They have powerful legs, like you said, that allow them to jump seven feet in the air and run 30 miles an hour. Six and a half foot bird. Jumping, jumping its full height into the air, yeah, and running at thirty miles an hour, yeah. So nice. legs that powerful, that can lift a hundred and sixty pound or hundred and thirty pound animal, to move like that can probably deliver some pretty powerful kicks, and it do, and these kicks are again augmented by those three toed feet that have straight dagger like claws, that are able to stab and slice enemies. Oh, we should put the um, the dialogue. That Alan Grant from the beginning of um, Jurassic Park when he's talking about how a raptor kills people. I was going to make the joke at, when you were describing it earlier and be like, that's not very scary. It's kind of like a big turkey. <laughs> um, so when they're fighting, they use these claws to dig. When they aren't fighting, they use these claws to dig and uncover fallen fruit in the forest underbrush because they eat large fruit that fall like, you know, in between twigs and branches and thickets. So they clear it away. 
and eat the fruit. So when they attack, they may jump up and kick a person around the midsection. They can jump jump high enough to kick a full-grown man in the chest. They can jump seven feet in the air, so they can they can jump high enough to miss you. Their their kick is usually a downward kick. That's just the way that their legs work. Um, however, with both fatalities, uh, the most dangerous blows came after a person fell to the ground. Um, so dogs and other animals that are low to the ground are vulnerable to kicks, and they have been kicked and killed. Um, so that the, Ernest Thomas Gillard. And was an orth- he's an ornithologist, and he wrote a book called Living Birds of the World in 1958. And he is quoted saying, The inner or second of the three toes is fitted with a long, straight, murderous nail, which can sever an arm or eviscerate an abdomen with ease. There are many records of natives being killed by this bird. A murderous nail. Nail. That's, yes. That's very, that's very dramatic of him. So the raw destructive power he describes seems to be a bit overblown because there's not many accounts of them, like, lopping off limbs with these nails, <clears throat> especially considering they've only killed two people in nearly a century. But they are dangerous, and they can be aggressive. Well, they've killed only two people that we've reported. Right, that we know of. Recorded yeah. events. So a study in 2003 looked at... All of the recorded attacks throughout history and found that a total of 221 attacks occurred on people and domestic animals. 150 were against humans. Many of these attacks were food-driven. The birds were either being fed by people, or they had been fed by people before, or they were expecting food, or they were defending natural food sources. Only 15% were cases of self-defense. And only 7% were involved in defending chicks or eggs. So they're very food-driven. If you get in the, get between them and food, they might kick you, and it might be bad. Well, usually they're shy. Usually they're like, oh, I think people might be on the wind, and then yes. they leave so, at 30 miles an hour. <laughs> like always, like a lot of the time, dangerous animals become dangerous because we feed them, or because you're feeding wild animals, which you're not supposed to do. Right. Because it... It gets them used to you being a food source. And then if they approach you, they um, don't get that food and they get agitated. And then they see you as prey when you turn around and cower and shake. I don't think that's necessarily the case for the bird. (laughs) Definitely for bears, though. Um, But also, there's a theory that, like, stomping or, like, running seems to trigger this kill instinct in them. And they think that when two rivals come up against each other, they will do stomping. They will stomp around, and it, like, triggers this fight. So they think running uh, has this stomping So you got to tiptoe away. Yeah, but then there's also studies that say most of the attacks happen to people who are standing or walking, not running. So... It's hard to say. Well, people fall down on the ground. That's a big stomp. That's true. Two people, the two two deaths were people that fell, and one of them was like the in Gainesville, the most recent one on Friday. They believed that he may have been feeding them when he fell. So he's a seventy five year old seventy five year old man. So like, you lose your balance and you fall, and that may have just like a they're being food, they're food driven at this moment, and b they. Are startled by the stomp, so they go into attack mode. Did you say that he was a breeder? 
Yeah, uh, he yeah he was. They think he was breeding them for collectors. So that I see this as kind of like a tale of a cautionary tale of don't keep dangerous exotic pets. Yeah. In your suburban home. Speaking of that. Uh, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission lists this bird as Class Two wildlife, along with stuff like wolves, coyotes, jackals, wolverines, and badgers and bobcats. So, Class Two animals uh, are ones that can be dangerous to humans and require "quote unquote" substantial experience to safely handle. The only other bird in this class is the ostrich, which is bigger than a cassowary and maybe equally as dangerous. Probably, I met, I think it's killed more people. I remember when I went to South Africa, them telling us how dangerous ostriches were. Yeah, I would imagine they're pretty dangerous because they're also huge. They, that sounds like the world's most dangerous bird. I don't know why but you're saying the cassowary. there could be an argument that cassowaries are more aggressive and more like that. They have like a hair trigger attack and instinct. I guess. I, I saw a video of an ostrich attacking a guy and he just grabbed its neck and head and like held it down put a towel over it so it like put a towel over its eyes and it's like it was still trying to like struggle every once in a while but it was like more subdued and it it sounds like cassowaries are more tenacious in a fight but ostriches are pretty domesticated like they're they're um like a lot they're a food source and even in the states, there are ostrich farms. So maybe after many generations of being domesticated, that whole fight instinct doesn't really get there. But I imagine that a cassowary is not that many generations removed from Papua New Guinea. Yeah. And uh, has more of a kill instinct. Cassowaries are also just completely solitary animals except when mating. So there's not a social... They're not gregarious. They're, yeah, there's not a social instinct in them. I don't, I'm not sure about ostriches. Well, maybe we'll cover that later. Like, But I've seen multiple videos of several ostriches together, so I don't know. I want to tell the Johnny Cash story. Okay. <laughs> Even though we're not doing ostriches. Ost- Johnny Cash used to have ostriches on his property because he was one of those rich people that likes to just buy things because he's rich. Right. Like Mike Tyson. Yeah, okay. Who had tigers. <laughs> um, may still have tigers. Who knows? But... um. Apparently, he was going out to one of his birds, and um, it started to, like, get into attack mode. And he was trying to, like, beat it back with a st- with a branch. Okay. And it jumped up and kicked him, slashed him, but it hit his belt. And he was like, if I hadn't didn't have this sturdy belt, it would have disemboweled me. Uh. I bet he wrote a song about it. <laughs> Maybe. But yeah. Well, that's all I got. Uh, don't mess with birds bigger than you. Yeah, just in general. Or don't, just don't mess with birds. Don't mess with animals. Yeah, unless they're your pets. Yeah, unless then they're... You, then you can totally mess Well, unless them. they're pets and they're supposed to be pets. Yeah, unless they're supposed to be pets. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I guess we're, we're kind of blurring the line here, aren't we? <laughs> Dogs only, please. <laughs> that's a personal... No cats, no parrots, no fish. Don't mess with them. Just your dog. Yes. So for you out there in Podcastia, charge through life. Always be ready for danger. And stay away from strange humans like the cassowary in life, death, and taxonomy.
Hey, LDT listeners, thanks for listening all the way to the end. Before we hit you with a blooper, I just want to tell you, leave a review, visit us on social media like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We are LD Taxonomy everywhere. If you have episode ideas, send us an email at ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. And of course, always send in Measure Up intros. Thanks for listening and engaging. I think we should say birdliness more often. (laughs) The bastion of birdliness! (laughs) Cleanliness is next to birdliness.